I think the best defense mechanism is just to be authentically yourself and unapologetic about it. Why would we shrink ourselves or why would we beg others? Please accept me. Like, no, you're just a blip on the radar. And a feeling like I had to get approval and validation living authentically for me just kind of became not giving a damn. Welcome to the Reach New Heights podcast, where we dive deep into all things self-healing, transformation, and building dreams. I'm Julie Householder, and it is my passion to share powerful tools to empower you to transform your life and reach new heights. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Reach New Heights podcast. Today, I am thrilled to bring to you this week's honored guest, Michaela Riley. Michaela is an actress, model, and content creator originally from North Carolina in the United States and now is living in the country of Ireland. She is currently working on her master's in screenwriting and wants to share stories with the world about her beautifully mixed family and upbringing that many modern and future viewers can relate to. This woman is a powerhouse, someone that I really look up to, someone that I sincerely admire and how she uses her voice to elevate and empower women and how she brings forth her mixed cultural identity into every aspect of her work. And you can just, it's just almost tangible. Uh, It's like her heart print, her soul print on everything that she does. Welcome, Michaela. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm so excited. And I'm not going to lie, um, I think I, messaged, um, I mentioned this in our messages before this podcast that I had been low-key hoping to be on this one day. So I'm like super, super excited. You've been on this incredible journey so far, moving to Ireland. What has this process been like? Do you relate to yourself and others differently now? How has that changed? That is, I love that question so much. I guess I'll just start from the top why I moved. And honestly, like ever since I was a kid, I kind of credit this to having both of my sets of grandparents were immigrants. So I credit to them that I was always curious about the world and I'd always really wanted to travel. I'd always imagine living in either big cities or different countries. When I was six years old, I told my parents I was going to move to China. I don't know why. China was on my mind at that time. And just having, you know, my dad's parents being from Ireland and my mom's parents being from Guatemala, um, I'd always just wanted to see the world. Ireland was kind of a funny story, though, because... I never thought I'd move here. Like I always wanted to move to a Spanish speaking country or somewhere like in the continent of Europe. I ended up here because I wanted to go after my dreams of being a filmmaker. I'd always wanted to be an actress when I was younger and it just didn't seem to be going the way I wanted it to because, and this will come up later, I'm sure, but there's there wasn't a lot of representation when I was a kid, especially in the theater world for people who were mixed, who, you know, you look white, but not the kind of white that we want because you also look Hispanic. <laughs> so I wanted to be able to create my own narratives and not have anybody stop me for making those narratives. So I wanted to go into film and I fell in love with Ireland when I came to visit back in 2017 with college on a study abroad. And I found out they had this thriving film industry. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. And I was eligible for dual citizenship through my grandmother, my paternal grandmother. So I was like, yeah, sure, why not? We'll do that. And that's how I ended up here. I enrolled in a film school. I moved to Dublin. It was a huge decision that I actually didn't think would impact me at all. I don't know why I thought that I would look at everything as normal, but I think it was like three days into moving here. I was kind of like, 
oh my God, what have I done? That's when it really, really hit me like, oh my God, you just moved across an ocean. <laughs> like, so that's how I ended up here. Yeah. I think for many of us that live in the United States, depending on where you are in connection to the ancestors that came here, there's a lot of people that are very removed from their immigration story of their family. And then there's people who are like, I am the immigration story um, or their parents or whatever the case may be. There's a level of curiosity that lives inside of us. There's a level of resiliency and strength, as well as, you know, the generational trauma that's passed down from these life changes and these life moves as we kind of try to figure out who we are. And for those of you who don't know, I'm also, I guess I would say mixed. Um, my ethnicity. Yeah. I just like, I hate like the, the cultural and like the human construct of race and ethnicity because people are like, oh, yeah. what are you? And I'm just like, uh, uh. Um, <laughs> because it's, it's really like who we are is kind of, it's kind of determined by where we are geographically. Yes. yes. And how the area categorizes people. So like, for example, in the state of North Carolina, my race would be Hispanic, but mm-hmm. in, which is like, also I'm like, yo, North Carolina, like y'all need to catch up a little bit because yeah. Hispanic isn't a race. It's ethnicity. You know what I mean? Exactly. So it's yeah. like when I get more irritated is in conversations with other people and how they are trying to grapple with like what box I check where these really complex identities and personalities yeah. were multidimensional being for you as being someone who has that ancestry that is like deeply Irish and Guatemalan you grew up in the states but now you're in Ireland like how does that how do you navigate all of these different aspects of who you are how has that been for you and how you understand your identity in general it has been actually the most interesting process and I'd say that I'd say that every like three or four months, this comes up between myself and my boyfriend because, you know, he's the closest person I have here. And um, he's very interested and always been very respectful of, you know, my Guatemalan heritage and like, you know, he loves the food and um, he's like really into it. And he learns like pockets of Spanish. It's really sweet. But it comes up with him that, you know, sometimes when I live here, I'm like, I feel white, like, I feel white and I've never felt like I couldn't relate to somebody about my experience because I always had my family around or I always had people like you around who were in the same situation as me or it's like proud Latinas people sometimes undermined or said the ignorant oh what are you like oh you don't look like this or that like here it's very much no one's really brought it up but when it does come up it's like Oh yeah, I can see that. Oh yeah. Okay, cool. It's been a really weird juggle for me on how to still be proud of my Latin heritage, my Latina heritage, while I'm living in this country that is another part of my heritage. It feels like maybe I'm prioritizing one and not the other. And it's such, it's very, it's a complicated journey that I'm still figuring out how to balance it and yeah, sure. I can pop over to Spain for a weekend or something and speak some Spanish and have some good food and come back. It's not the same as being, you know, Central and South American. You know what I mean? That kind of heritage. So it's all just a balancing act because it does sometimes feel like I'm so far removed from being Latina. And um, it gets a little, it it makes me feel a little melancholy sometimes, not going to lie. Many of us who have mixed cultural background, 
at least for me, like I spent a lot of my life trying to prove, cause I grew up in Miami, Florida, which is like, some people say Miami is like a different country. Like it really, I mean, <laughs> yeah. because there's such a large immigrant population that it's predominantly Hispanic. It's predominantly Latin. I use so many different words interchangeably, um, but oh, yeah, you know what I mean? So it's like 70%, at least the last time I checked of those populations and it's people from all over. It's like this beautiful mix But for me, as someone, you know, my father's from the United States, my mom's from Cuba, I I felt like I had to prove who I was to the Latin community because I wasn't Latin enough for them. But when I was around people who weren't Latin, they were like, oh, you're too Latin. (laughs) Like you're too Latin. People would be like, oh, like la gringa. Or like when I would speak Spanish, I, I didn't speak Spanish that much for a long time out of embarrassment because people would tease me on my Spanish or they'd make fun of me or I'd be like a joke, right? Because I'd be like, yeah. la gringa, la americana, you know? And so la that blanquita. was really, yeah, it was very difficult, fave. you know? And even like my family too. Uh, there's a joke that I have with my boyfriend where when I hang out with my family, I'm like, I'm going to do a tally of how many times someone tells me that I need to get a tan. I literally, there was one time I was like, I would text him every time I'm like, oh, we're at number nine. We're at number 10 of the comments that I get. It's not coming from a, a bad place. It's just a place of people not recognizing the the words that they're repeating. I grew up always being, oh, I'm, I need to be darker. I'm not accepted because I'm not darker. It's just like the weirdest. It is weird. Because a lot of this, again, is internalized from media messages. And what's your approach, both as an actress and model, as well as a creator, a content creator and a screenwriter? So it is, so one, I agree with and, and relate to everything you just spoke about, because I, so myself and my sister are the lightest in the family, like naturally. I get darker than her when I tan and we just welcome the new baby into the family, for example, and um my abuela, who we call mama, she's my mama, uh, mama and my sister were talking about how the baby would come out. And mama was like to my sister, like, oh, I think she'll be light, but not as light as you. And, and she doesn't mean it from a place of harm, like you said, but it's like, okay, that kind of hurts because you are expected to be this perfect caramel, evil Longoria kind of looking Latina. And you could say both sides of the fence, like you're too light to be considered Latina, which is an ignorant assumption, or there's people not accepting the Afro Latin community. A whole issue that we've seen surface recently. For me, it's about bringing a whole new narrative into the circle and like seeing, like I can only speak on my experience, obviously, like, and we should be including everybody. That's the thing. That's a beautiful thing that media has become is that we are accepting and, and seeing so many new different cultures. And I love it. It's such an interesting thing. Um, and it's deserved. Everyone should be represented. My thing is that I really want my voice to show that anyone who's struggling with their identity, whether they think they're too light or they're too dark, like you're not alone. So many people feel this way and you are perfectly valid in who you are. Like there are days where I look at myself in the mirror, especially after living here and not being dark because there's no sun in Ireland. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, Not having my nice tan anymore. I think, wow, like I don't even feel Hispanic or Latino, Latina because of my skin color. And I'm like, that is so horrible. Like I grew up with the food. I grew up with the language. I grew up with the culture, like, you know, influences around my life. Like, don't, you kind of have to stop yourself from saying that you're not enough because of those socialized expectations. And I really want to bring to light that people like us exist. (laughs) I want our stories to be heard, our struggles, things like that. I've been working on some things now, trying to put that narrative in there the white passing Latina feeling completely invalid 
but also, you know, finding strength in that kind of dejection within a community of our own. You know what I mean? Like you and I have had numerous conversations on this, on colorism and like the Latin community. And I just want to keep that kind of going. As white passing Latinas, we have privilege because it's like, we have the pain of social rejection, but we don't have to do the hurdles of systemic oppression. Exactly. And what that means economically, politically, socially, in our in our growth and in our trajectory. I was talking to my boyfriend about it and I was trying to explain it because even within the community, you'll you'll feel it in Miami sometimes too. And you'll hear it in conversations where people will kind of like talk smack about other people based on what country they're from. This really interesting dynamic that's really complex and people don't talk about because whenever I bring it up with certain people, they'll like get, they'll get mad about it. They're like, no, that doesn't exist in our community. Like colorism yeah. and racism doesn't exist here. Oh no, we don't, we don't talk badly about people from, other, and I'm like, I just heard you. Right. <laughs> I just, I heard, just you. heard you. <laughs> yeah. You just said X, Y, and Z about Dominicans or Cubans or, you know, and I, I just think that it's so awful because we as a people like Latin people like whether Guatemala, Mexico, Cuba, Dominican Republic, whatever, like we've all been oppressed. Like, do I mean, like we've all had our issues. We've all had our struggles like throughout history um, and otherwise. And if you're an immigrant, even more so like the struggles that my abuela went through when she moved to the United States, I can't even imagine. Do you know what I mean? Like we've all had our issues. I don't see why there's not this like banning together we very much do separate ourselves and it's absolutely very disappointing. You know what I mean? No one is less valid or a good or bad Latino person, a Latina person because of where they're from. None of this is covered in the media for the most part. I mean, I saw one red table talk that was that they were actually talking about this, like colorism and like some of these different concepts, but at least for as far as storytelling that I see, I don't really see a whole lot of like representation in media. And like, even whenever I see anything, like if I see a Latin person cast in a role, I like freaking celebrate. Like, I'm just so excited. Like I know Marvel's doing that more. They're casting more Latin people as well as this Netflix series. It was like beauty and the baker. I don't know if you saw that. Um, and it's like this rom-com, but it's based in Miami and the, the family and what they're going through. It's like the Miami culture. And I'm like, wow, like I grew up in Miami. Like I, I really res it's nice to see that on screen. And I think it's so important for change and also just trajectory and changes in our community. Like if all you see is like, like you were saying this caramel woman and she's the maid in a movie, right? It's like, uh, you're either a maid or a criminal or something else. It's like, what are you, what are you setting up for the community? Like, what are you setting exactly. people see that kids grow up watching movies? They want to see themselves. And we talked about like psychology and all of this and how it impacts us and our sense of self and their sense of identity. And I think as a world collectively, like we have to like really dive deep into this kind of healing, create a healthier world. And it starts with all of these different systems, but like it's majorly like the media too. Majorly because the media, I feel like people really look at the media and pick and choose what's important. You know, like, you know, some people care about violence in video games being an influence. And some people care about like violence in Quentin Tarantino movies as an example, being a bad influence, but nobody seems to care or some people's don't seem to care that it is just as important to have a positive outlook on the media and say, okay, it would be great if we had more Latina characters in Disney Channel shows, or it would be really positive if we saw a Black family do this. There's so much good that can come out of the media, but we have seen for 
decades since the media started with television and radio that like there is this narrative that it's only really only been catered to fully Caucasian people to fully white people um, especially you know I'm just talking about the United States you know obviously that's the media we grew up with but now we're seeing so many shows that are brilliant that have POC as their main characters um, I actually and this is a little uh, guilty pleasure of mine. I just finished this show on Disney Plus called uh, Doogie Kame Aloha. It is based off of the Doogie Howser books or TV show from the 90s, but she's a Hawaiian girl. And the main character is she's a Chinese actress, uh, Chinese American. And it's just amazing because you realize, I think we've always realized, like being who we are, having this diverse background, that what matters is good content. It is the cutest show in the world. And I loved it so much. And I never felt out of place when they talked about their Hawaiian culture. I was fascinated by it. Do you know what I mean? And I think that we just need more positive influences like that. We need to see more diverse women in powerful roles. Like Doogie Kame Aloha is a 16 year old doctor. It's like the cutest show ever. You should check it out. But yeah, I just think we need more of that. There's so much beauty and richness in all of these different cultures around the world and recognizing how incredible it is to include these voices and include these stories. I mean, there, there could only be fantastic content created from that. And people want that. People are tired of the same stories over and over. They want yes. something different. Our stories are powerful. I think our voices are powerful. And the more we recognize that and elevate each other, mm-hmm. our entertainment industry is just going to get like that much more beautiful. Yeah, definitely. And like, even like living here in Ireland, like there's so much that I've learned about because, you know, growing up as being half Irish American, I always grew up with this huge sense of pride about it. But then I moved to Ireland and realized that like, oh, everything that I learned about Ireland, because I learned it from my grandmother, who was from Cork, um, Ireland, but she was like, in her 90s, do you know what I mean? She was older, so I didn't know anything about modern Ireland. And coming here, I really realized that not only do is it important to me to really amplify this part of me that has always felt lesser than for being Latina, like, you know, like we've talked about, but I really want to amplify what it is to actually be Irish because there's so many people in the States. So, oh, I'm 5% Irish. And they really make that their whole identity and they don't know what they're talking about. So I'd really like to just include in like the media bits and pieces of like, actually what it means to actually be Irish, Irish culture, things like that. Um, because there's so much richness and, and fun within Irish history and folklore and things like that. And there's also some really sad and hard truths to mm-hmm. look at when it comes to like how they were oppressed for ages and ages by, you know, the English. And I just kind of want to bring all these things to light so that we actually learn about these cultures, you know, instead of having our westernized ideals of what the culture means. Companies will take little tiny pieces from a culture, package it, make it consumerism driven. I'm not saying not to be like proud of that, that ancestry. It's not the actual, like, we're not actually learning about the culture. We're not actually honoring and respecting. It's just like these like packaged concepts or like on, you know, single a mile people go and get like, they buy their little like plastic hats and and things and like eat tacos and get drunk. That's like the culture in in the U S about it without actually, what is this? Like, what is the culture? How do we, how are we honoring? 
shaming and treating people right now in our society. Like, you know what I mean? That's why movies like Coco are so important because Coco really hits on Dia de los Muertos is about. And that's another, you know, kind of excuse to kind of keep Halloween going for some people in Western cultures. Um, and, you know, that's why I'd love to bring in something that has to do with like Irish culture because Brave, yeah, she's Scottish. They tried. I don't think they did a good job. <laughs> but, you know, I, I just want to be able to help educate people through media because that's it's a powerful tool for education well it's going to educate either way it's going to educate in exactly. kind of a false stereotype false perception or even like for example with like relationship dynamics i'm always talking to people i'm like your concepts of relationships if they're based off of media it's not going to lead you to healthy like effective communication styles like we don't learn this from the media because it's not like drama so people don't want to like watch some like healthy communication exactly. i don't know what it is <laughs> when you grow up as a child and that's all you know is from the media and these stereotypes and these portrayals like that's all and say you grow up in a town where you have no exposure to people who look differently than you who love differently than you pray differently than you have a different culture differently like how how is that going to like affect your your viewpoint you know what i mean of the world and and the, the media is such a powerful change agent. So it makes me very excited to see your passions and really elevating these stories and weaving that into everything that you do. I think it's so powerful and needed. What does living authentically mean to you now, especially navigating this, you know, multicultural identity? So before I moved, I will say that there was this big pressure I felt on myself, just as you were saying earlier, to prove my Latinidad to prove that I was like Latina enough that I was, I would speak Spanish or I wouldn't sometimes because I'd get nervous, but I try so hard and maybe I'd mess it up, but I really wanted to like fit in. I really wanted to fit in. Um, you know, I, I never had problems like making friends or anything. It wasn't anything to do with like a social circle. It was just like, you know, this is a part of me that I'm proud of. And I want to feel like worthy, I guess is the word of being involved and accepted by this community. And that was a big thing for me. I would cry about it. Like I'd absolutely be, I remember um, just kind of going off for a second. There was um, a night where I was working at this video store. That was my first job. I worked in a video rental shop in North Carolina. And um, these two young men came in um, and they were of, I don't know what, they were of Latin descent anyway, you know, but um, they were speaking in Spanish and I said something to them and I guess I messed up and they just kind of ridiculed me about it. And they were like, we don't think you speak Spanish. Like, we don't actually think you're Latina. Like, you're just kind of like joking. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not. <laughs> and so I went home and cried about it. Like this feeling of just not being wanted or being taken as a joke, you know? So I felt this huge amount of pressure to prove myself. When I moved here, there are pockets of times where in the beginning, back in like 2018, when I first made my move, that I felt like I had to prove myself, um, specifically because one of my classmates, who's a dear friend of mine, one of my classmates in film school had said that he thought I was all white, that I just had a nice tan. And that just kind of broke my heart because I was like, oh my God, I don't even look Hispanic to Irish people. What the heck? And I just felt this huge, again, the surge to prove myself. That conversation that I had with my friends, like we're friends, it's not a big deal, you know, but because uh, people don't say these things hatefully most of the time, you know, they just say them out of like blind ignorance, you know, um, no hard feelings for the most part, unless you're intentionally rude. After like experiencing my whole life trying to fit in and prove myself 
I just decided to make a joke out of it because I was tired of getting upset. Um, and I was tired of being so emotionally in, engulfed in not being enough that I just decided to make fun of those people who made ignorant comments at me. And the, which is how my short film, uh, Misconcepcion, uh, came to light was just making fun of people because I'm tired of it. You know what I mean? And that's part of what I think living authentically is, is you kind of get to this point where you're so sick of being upset about something in like a negative emotional way that it's like, how can I flip the script? How can I flip the script to make it so that I'm in control so that, you know, I feel good about myself which is how that sketch came to light because I'm like you know I've heard my whole life like what are you like you look like you don't look Hispanic like I could buy a few times I've gotten Middle Eastern a few times I've gotten you know like um just a few other random ones and um I was just like well let me let me just make fun of them instead of me feeling like they have this power over me let's just make it so that I have power over my reaction. And that's kind of just what living authentically has been, especially recently. Like, I think the pandemic especially has really shifted the way a lot of people feel about themselves because there's been this reality now that's okay, people died and a lot of you know people passed away from this disease we were stuck in our homes um we went on multiple lockdowns here in Ireland like I couldn't see any of my friends and it just got to this point where I was like you know I'm gonna die one day and I don't want to say that I didn't do absolutely everything I wanted to do so it's been this and I think it comes with age and I think it comes with maturity as well but just not oh, we shouldn't care. Oh, we should not care what people think. I think the best defense mechanism is just to be authentically yourself and unapologetic about it. Why would we shrink ourselves or why would we beg others to like, please accept me? Like, no, you're just a blip on the radar. Like, I'm going to live my authentic life. I'm going to take control of my emotions, my reactions, and I'm going to, you know, live my best life, no matter what that looks like. Like I was so sick of shrinking myself and of feeling like I had to get approval and validation. Living authentically for me just kind of became not giving a damn. Oh yeah. <laughs> and that can be a challenge. Some days like I'm listening to you and I'm like, yeah, but then there's some days, you know, when you're feeling a little sensitive and yeah. then like your heart's like hurt. It's like you're showing, especially like if you're stressed out, because that's when we usually regress into like earlier consciousness levels, like when we're reacting, it's usually from like our inner eight-year-old or like our inner child or wherever we felt hurt. And I feel like when you decide to stop living for other people based towards like any confusion that I've ever had about myself or my identity or whatever, it was when I put up here I am. And then this is what this person sees me as, or this is what this person's expectations of who I should be or what I should fit. And it's never been like alone in my room, like I don't know, like crocheting because I'm stressed out or like writing poetry or like I'm just going for a walk with my dog or I'm with my boyfriend. I'm just who I am. Yeah. And I I just, I embrace who I am. So it's, it's always interactions with other people, responding and not reacting and recognizing for all of us that it takes a lot of time and practice and we're not going to always show up perfectly. The power in responding. Usually like we're automatically going to have an automatic reaction inside, noticing that inner reaction and then being like, all right, I see you. I see you. It's, mm -hmm. I see you're there. Now, what are we going to do now moving forward? Am I going to let this like derail my day? Am I going to, 
you know, and sometimes, sometimes that's a yes. Right. And other days with practice, it's a, it's a no, like, let's, let's flip the script. I love how you talked about humor. My family is like super, I feel like humor as a coping mechanism is like super important for immigration purposes. It's like (laughs) a quality, like coping mechanism. Cause my family uses humor for everything. I mean, even when my, (laughs) my grandparents were coming in, they didn't speak any English. Well, actually my grandmother did. Mm-hmm. But it was broken English, of course. Yeah. And my grandfather, they were asking the movers to move stuff into a house. And he goes to the mover and he's like, take the cook inside. And the guy looked at my grandmother because what he meant to say is take the stove inside. We tell those stories and it's like we're all like laughing because it was yes. just like those things were like my grandfather. He literally like failed his driver's test in the United States because he didn't speak the language. And, but like, we would laugh about it because we'd be like, oh yeah, I just imagine them being like, oh, turn left. And he's like, okay, okay. And like drives <laughs> forward or whatever the case may be, right? So it's like finding humor and using those those ouches, turning it into something that we can smile on and also cherish too, because it's those awkward moments. It's those bumps in the road. All of this was done for me. by those previous generations. And like this, what I'm doing right now is for the future generations, whether or not we like choose to have kids or whatever it is, like our work is for the future generations, who we are today and how we interact with people and all of these ripple effects we make is Mm -hmm. contributing to the future. And so when we move from that place, it's a much more empowering state of mind, I think. And like, that's something that I work on consistently, Um, but it, it can be challenging too at the same time. Yeah, it it definitely is because I mean, the humor thing, I totally get that because like, I mean, even to this day, my abuela like has these little words that only we would understand kind of like the way that, you know, your grandfather said cook, like take the cook inside. Like she would say something like she can't say John Bon Jovi. So she calls him John Bon Jovi. And she, you know, like all these little things that like we think are so funny and adorable and like they're endearing, you know what I mean? And we just, I think it's so important to like laugh about them, not in a, obviously in a really good hearted, like kind of way, you know, humor as a defense mechanism. I thought it was so lame for so long because, you know, oh, I'm the brooding artist. Like everything has to be serious. Uh but it's the best. Like it kind of gives you this power back when you do it it, it, the right way. You know what I mean? It gives you your power back. No, a hundred percent enables us to also give a level of confidence to who we are speaking on the topic of confidence. uh, (laughs) How do you navigate rejection? So we talked about responding rather than reacting, but how do you navigate fear, rejection, resiliency, building confidence in the world that you are in? So when we talk about like acting, modeling, screenwriting, all of that is so it's deeply vulnerable and deeply personal, but at the same time, it's like, you have to like separate yourself. So how do you navigate all of that? That is a really good question because it is a really vulnerable industry. Like, you know, you're putting like, you might write your heart and soul into a script and send it to someone. And they just say, you know, not really like what we're looking for. Like, you know, something like along the lines of like, oh, well, who's going to get it, who's going to watch it, you know what I mean? Um, So it is really vulnerable. Um, But I think for me, like I had been performing since I was like 10, 11 years old, something like that. Um, And I just always loved the idea of entertaining for entertaining's sake, not so much for like being the main character. I mean, of course, everyone wants to be the main character. But like, um, I think, you know, growing up with 
so much rejection, whether it was in my art, so whether it was performance or anything like that, or if it was like in my identity, it's all just been coping and realizing that for my art, it's just that, hey, I don't fit this vision for whatever reason. Like, and that's not to say that I'm a bad artist, a bad writer. I just don't fit this vision. I'm going to fit another one. Especially now with how diverse like modeling and acting and all of these things are and the diversity that we want in like TV shows, there's going to be an opportunity at some point. People have certain visions. I have certain visions myself, which helps me kind of keep going if I don't get something I really want. Because it's like, well, if I was casting something and I had a specific vision, I know that like the 400 people or so that I reject are going to be sad, but I need to keep true to like what this is about, what I see. Mm -hmm. So it's nothing personal, you know, and I just kind of learned to bounce back from that because whether it's 200 rejections or, or 500 rejections, one day I'm going to hear a yes. One day for something, I'm going to hear a yes. Um, whether it changes my life or not. And that is going to feel so good. That's kind of how, you know, is that there's room for everybody and it's going to happen one day. I think that everyone gets so beaten down by life because it's life. hello, like it's going to beat us down and people are going to beat us down. But I truly believe that there is space for everybody in no matter what you want to do. And I think that, you know, understanding that there is space for you and maybe like it's not been maybe you've been working as an actor for five years and you haven't met like that dream role or been able to make a stable living off of it don't give up like you're gonna make it one day you're gonna do something one day that you were gonna be so proud of and that's gonna prove to you that you there's space for you and for me because I felt like there wasn't space for me I started making my own things. Like I made, the first thing was Misconception, which I was so worried about because I filmed it in Ireland and no one seemed to get it, which was fine. Like I had a great crew with me. Um, they were all my friends, but no one really got it. But then after posting it, seeing how many people understood it, that's kind of what made me realize like, oh, like other people relate to this. Like there is space for this and there's space for everybody to do something you know what I mean everyone should feel confident in who they are and I just I truly truly believe that because we're such uniquely amazing individuals we all have something to offer and to release the notion that we're not enough because we've been all brainwashed by <laughs> by like advertising when you think about there's industries that make billions of dollars off of the insecurities that they instilled in us through their messaging yeah. over like our lifespan, recognizing, wow, I am enough. When you move, when you move towards self-love, it's an act of rebellion. You're literally going against the grain of all of the messaging that you might've heard, not even just from like family or friends, because they internalize those messaging too. But like, when you look at anything like products or anything, it's like, what are they trying to convince you? Oh, like you're not enough without this product. Like you need this to like help ins enhance yourself or whatever it is, or even like Snapchat filters and Instagram filters. When we love ourselves, we are rebelling. It's yes. strength. It's revolution. Our internal mindset, giving ourselves that permission to actually see and recognize and live from I am enough as I am, mm -hmm. even in all of my like imperfections and contradicting parts of who I am. That is beautiful and it's powerful. It sets yes. us free to actually create a life we love rather than live a life fighting against all of these different things that were placed in us to keep us stuck and to keep us from shining. 
and to keep us from elevating one another. If you live in a society where it's like you internalize all of these messages and don't even realize it, it keeps you from really stepping and stretching into your full self. That's so funny. I love that you bring that up because I actually, my mom sent me a picture of my move-in day at Flagler back in 2015. And I look at that picture and I was like, oh my gosh, like all these memories flooded back of how much I hated my body. I was probably the thinnest I've ever been. I hated my body. I thought I needed to lose more weight. I thought, you know, oh my God, I have cellulite. I can never wear shorts. Like, you know, all these things. And now here at like what, um, six years later, sitting at 27 years old, I'm like, um, if it's hot, I'm wearing shorts, I'm wearing a skirt, I'm wearing whatever I want because cellulite is normal. Like all these things that were targeted because that was my big insecurity was my cellulite. Trying to sell you all the creams and the gels and the injections and massages. And it's like, you know what? No, I am a fully whole human being who feels totally confident with myself. I think because living authentically, kind of growing into that, I don't need your creams. Go away, go away. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is totally natural part of being a human being. And stop trying to, it's dimming people who the world needs. We need everyone to show their cellulite. We need everyone to like show their stretch marks. We need that. And especially with advertising. And I know like Victoria's Secret. So they like did their massive like campaign change, which my friend Jen and I, we were predicting because I was like, if they don't change their ways, their and their company's gonna tank. Consumer desires is to have more authentic representation in modeling and in advertising and everything. And I, I just like noticed these trends and Victoria's Secret just like wasn't following. Like I walked by Victoria's Secret and I saw the images of women and they were just like natural women. And I was like, this is amazing. This is yeah. how it should be. This is when I walk through somewhere, I should see just real people, not this like stereotype, not this like ultra Photoshopped image where you see interviews all the time with actresses and models being like that person. I don't even know who that is. Cause they like, they don't even recognize themselves because they were Photoshopped so much, or they were whitewashed or like all of these different things where I'm like, let's, let's actually show this authenticity of what it means to be human. Because like, as a teen girl, like I was super vulnerable to all of that messaging. I had no idea oh, yeah. that they Photoshopped women until my freshman year of college and my gender studies class where we actually, I wrote a paper on it. And I actually realized I was like, I didn't know Photoshopping happened. So yeah. as a teen girl, like with body dysmorphia and absolutely hating myself for years and just like comparing myself to that, because I was like, this is what beautiful is. And I don't look like that. Like my skin doesn't look like that. I have pores. Um, it's yep. like the models that are on there. They have pores too, guys. It's just, they like, they wash them off with Photoshop. We all have pores. We're not plastic. That set me free. If you're a person right now listening to this and when you look in the mirror, you're having these emotions come up. Or you look down at your body or in your, like, I remember being in yoga class and I had a teacher that was like, if you're having any unkind thoughts about your body coming up, just be present with them right now and just recognize that they're coming up for healing. And then I was like, oh my gosh, like, why do I, why do I hate myself? Like so much when I have all these organ systems, you learn about the immune system. I'm like a total nerd about that. Our immune system is so cool. Our organs are amazing. Our cells, what the heck? Like, look at our skin. Look what it does. Right. It's beautiful. We are beautiful. Why did I not realize that? I think it's so important. I went on a, like a random ADHD tangent here, guys, but like, <laughs> I love it. After having, if you're comparing yourself to someone who's like not only been in hair and makeup for X amount of hours, they're digitally altered. Just know like that's not real. Oh, and yeah. thankfully more companies are starting to show like more real models and like not 
photoshopping and not like making their arms longer, you know, all kinds of like crap that happens. And, and it's also really important to remember, because I think about this too, when I'm filming, because I own like a few lights, obviously, because you need that when you film. And, you know, I, in film school, when we were learning about cinematography and lighting, it, it's amazing the way that you can, just with lighting, mask, the skin, the imperfections, like people look so perfect in the right lighting. Like you don't see any pores either at that stage. Like, and then what you say, like, like you said, going into Photoshop and editing and, you know, post-production, you're gonna, people, models are gonna look essentially like perfect, like no pores and, and all these things, but it's lighting and it's editing. And that's something that was big for me with like, you know, wanting to be a model for so long, especially with the rise of Fashion Nova. Like, let's talk about that for a minute, how like they have these like, you know, thick women on there. And I was like, you know, oh, I want to be part of that representation because for so long I needed someone like that and I didn't have it. And I wanted to be that person for somebody. Um, But a big thing for me with modeling is that I don't want to be part of any campaigns that are super photoshoppy. Do you know what I mean? Like super fake. Like I want to be natural. I want my, you know, belly rolls to show. And is it scary? Yes, it's scary because of all this socialized stuff in our heads. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I don't, like we were just talking about, I don't want some girl or, or whatever, you know, any person, I don't want any person to look at a Photoshop version of me and think, oh my God, why don't I look like that? I would never wish that upon anybody. I don't want to continue that cycle. Like we have to see normal bodies, big bodies, naturally thin bodies, like no implants. Like we need to see these things because most of the population does not have money, one, or the desire to go through any sort of plastic surgery. If you do, whatever, you know, that's your business. But we also need that representation of like normal people, natural people. Absolutely. And that's the consumer base. That's the entire consumer base. So when we're looking at that as I wish I could just like waltz into some company sometimes and be like, yo, like you need to like, listen to this real quick. Think about who you're selling to. Mm -hmm. If you're empowering people and we can see that with Aries started doing their campaign, they didn't do retouching. They started like, I was like, oh, wow. There's like models with tattoos. Oh, wow. Like this model has a natural body and she wasn't edited. I was like, wow, I want to buy from this company. So it's just like when you actually have products, ethical methods that are empowering people, the variety of of who and what we are, it's like, that's going to increase your bottom line as far as I'm concerned. I don't see the hesitation to be so inclusive. I really don't. Like the way that we live now, the way that we expect things, like you said, the consumer market, I don't get what the holdup is for some places. I really don't. When you were mentioning seeing that younger version of yourself in that photo, if you could go back and talk to her and just have like a chat and sit down and really like give her advice or what would you share with her? What would you say to her? If I went back to like 20 year old, 21 year old Michaela, I would just tell her that like, she's enough. You are enough. Time is going to fly by. You are so enough. Like any guy that you date who makes you feel like garbage, leave him immediately. (laughs) Um, You know, you can't change people. And one day you are going to find your truest self. And you're going to wonder why you spend so much time beating yourself up for just being you. I would just tell her to enjoy the ride, be nice to herself, and to not take everything so seriously. That's like nutrition right there for the soul. (laughs) 
I feel it. I'm like in my spirit. It's just like, ah, oh. yeah, I'm, I'm feeling like a oof. <laughs> Time flies when you're talking to Queens. Um, yes. <laughs> is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you would really love to share with our listeners today? Anything else that is kind of like on your heart right now? Something on my heart, and this kind of goes back to living authentically that I want to just kind of um, pass on is that even though situations may seem really impossible and things may seem really, really awful for you when in this stage of life that you're in right now, if you're going through a hard time, just remember that you can always create the life you've wanted. And creating the life you've always wanted and dreamed of isn't about like living in a cabana in Mexico or like, you know, posting aesthetic pictures on Instagram. You can always live a fully authentic and beautiful life that you are proud of. You can always get there. And I just want anyone who's struggling to know that you, you have the power to change get creative, like do something for yourself, find a hobby that makes you really happy. That's going to energize you. That's going to make you feel so good and powerful and empowered. And you can change your life at any time. I just want to pass that on. Yeah. We just, I feel like we get stuck in, in limitation rather than yes. possibility. And when we give ourselves permission to not sound super cheesy, but like when you give yourself permission to start dreaming and daydreaming and using your imagination, which we've had since we were kids, but as adults, we use it to terrify ourselves often. But if you spend some of that imagination time and use it towards some dream of yours, just notice how the energy inside your body changes and your situation and the facts of your life might not be aligning with that yet. But when you're moving from that energy, feeling that aliveness, that's something that you love that just lights you up, it completely changes the quality of your life. I hope is that all of you listening today, that there's some kind of like dream that you have that you kind of gave up on maybe, or maybe you just placed it in a dusty corner in the attic of like the subconscious mind. And maybe you lost hope about it, or or maybe there's a hobby that you loved as a child and it just lit you up and you just haven't done in a while. There's this dude in my mom's neighborhood that will skateboard. And he's like, he's like 50 or 60 years old and he's just living his best life. He's living his best life out there on his skateboard. And it just like, he literally, every time I see him, he's like, has this huge smile on his face. And I'm like, wow, like that's so beautiful. So whatever that old hobby is, or maybe something you're curious about learning, you know, this is an invitation to, to give it some time and, and maybe take that dream off the shelf and dust it off and, and start taking some steps towards it and whatever it is. Yes. Nurture it and nurture yourself, nurture it and it'll nurture you. I promise. For anyone that wants to follow you, where can they find you? I also put everything in the description on this episode, but where can they follow your work? Where can they connect with you? Yes, perfect. So I'm most active on TikTok and Instagram. So my TikTok is um, Mama Michaela94. And my Instagram is Mama Michaela. And I have a YouTube as well, which is Mama Movies, um, where I talk about film and movies and make short films. But that's where you can find me. Beautiful. Thank you again so much for coming on this podcast. And I hope all of you stay connected with her because she is truly a, a rising star and making huge moves in her life. Um, and I, I'm, I'm looking forward to continuing seeing your involvement in the world and, and all the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been great. 
From my heart to yours, thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as I love creating it. As always, you can connect with me on Instagram at JULHouseholder or my website, juliehouseholder.com. I love hearing how you've integrated these episodes into your life. And if you feel called, please leave a review on iTunes so we can help others reach new heights. 